welcome to church. So thankful that each of you are here today. It is good to be together. Uh, my name is Travis. I am the lead pastor here at Antioch, and um, we're just excited about what God is doing in this place. Our, our hope and our desire, our aim, is to be a people that have a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. That, that, we, that we really would burn for him in, in everything that we do, in uh, the way that we spend our time, in the conversations that we have, that there would just be a, a burning for Jesus and, and that that would affect the, the, everything that we do, affect our lives. Uh, uh, last month, I got to, to sit down with a man in our church and, uh, and it was just an incredible time for me. Uh, we didn't even know exactly what he, he did, but he, he uh, began a school. In fact, the school is in a, an area of our city that is um, high, high poverty, high crime, and God had given him a vision um, to see kingdom established there, and specifically through education. And now they have over a thousand students there and, and buildings and all these kinds of things. And he is the executive director, high school principal, kind of just doing what God's called him to do. But the thing that uh, was so impressive uh, to me was the way he burned for, with a passion for Jesus, that every, everything that he did and the way that he, he saw uh, the, the world around him was how can we get more kingdom? How can more people, more kids get more of Jesus? How can teachers and staff in this community experience the kingdom? Just this burning passion for Jesus and the purposes that are in the heart of Jesus for the world around us. And I left just encouraged, challenged, um, because that's, that's who we want to be. And, uh, and so we, we're, um, we, we believe that that's done together, right? That we're not to do that alone. That that, that, that passion that we long to burn so brightly can, can dim and fade over time. And we need one another to, to buoy faith, to strengthen, to challenge, to call out at times. And so we're glad that you're here. Um, and, and, and hope that, that there's something that's sparked in you today that would cause you to burn more brightly with that passion for him because he is, he is worthy. If there has ever been anyone or anything worthy to burn with passion for, to have a passion in life for, it is him and only him. And so we are in a good place today to be stirred up for, for that passion in our lives, and then it would fuel uh, and, and it, you know, infiltrate every other passion that God gives us, that, that that would be the one that burns and causes all the others to burn as well. And so we have been in the book of Exodus chapter 33. It is the, the first uh, of a series of chapter studies that we're going to be doing over the course of the spring. And uh, in these chapter studies, we're going to be taking four to five weeks to dive into a particular chapter in the Bible and go verse by verse and just uh, really gleaning everything God has from us while getting a broader understanding of the context of the book of the Bible that, that the chapter is found in. And so we've been looking at the book of Exodus over the last few weeks and, and narrowing in specifically on Exodus 33, uh, where we are learning more about the desire of God to establish his presence among his people. And the way that that's always been his heart, 
That's always been his aim, to be a God who is among his people. And that, that we would see the cry of his heart that I am your God and you are my people and I will live and walk among you. And obviously in the person of Jesus that was never seen more clearly that God wanted to make his home among us. And that he desired the centrality of his presence uh, to be what represented his people. And, and so we are seeing in the book of Exodus and kind of really coming to a head in Exodus 33, the process that the people of God are on and the, the learning curve that they're on in, in learning this, this fact uh, uh, and allowing God, despite their own rebellion, waywardness, wickedness, selfishness, allowing him to, es to establish that. And ultimately submitting to him and saying, yes, we want to be your people. And so um, we, we have seen that God, uh, and it's hard not to, to go right into this. Let me just do a little bit of background and make it quick. But, but God supernaturally uh, rescued his people out of slavery. He made a way for them. He was preparing them to go into a, a land that he had promised for them. And, and in that journey, the people became rebellious in, in different ways. And it really climaxed when they had, they came to the, uh, to, to the mountain of, of God before him and had pledged their faithfulness to God. God had covenanted with his faithfulness to them and they said, we will walk in your ways. And that was this, this covenant that they had made. But within six weeks of this covenant being made, they broke the first two stipulations of the covenant in that they were not to worship any other God and not to, to build any idol. And they had done both of those things within the first six weeks of saying, hey, we're all in on this covenant. We want to follow your ways. How quickly they fell away. God in his justice uh, wiped out uh, many of those who... Were, were culprits in this re rebellious activity, but there was a, a coming back to God. There was a, a sorrow uh, as God shared with the people, hey, I'm still going to grieve these distressing words, where there was some insight into the journey that the people were progressing in, and that we don't want just the promised land. We don't want just the promise of God. We actually want God. And so there was some progression in their hearts as God was establishing in, uh, in and among them the value of his presence. And so we're going to, uh, so then last week we talked about a little side story uh, that happened where there, there was the tent of meeting where Moses, the leader of God's people, would, would enter into to meet with God. And Joshua, his, his assistant, would go in there with him. And even when Moses would, would go out to deliver what God was speaking and let the people know about it, Joshua would just linger in his presence. He would just be in that place of treasuring the nearness of God taking every opportunity, and we, we just spoke of how that's who we want to be, a people that so treasure the, the presence and nearness of God and who live from His presence. And, and today we're going to continue reading in Exodus 33, beginning in verse 12, and um, just coming just out of this little side story of how Moses would go and meet with God in a tent of meeting. And, um, and I want us to read Beginning there, Exodus 33, verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. 
If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So here we have in in my mind what is certainly the, the climax of Exodus 33, if not the entire climax of the book of Exodus. It, it, and, I, and I mean it like this, where there ha, a, a story has been set out and the people begin a journey, but along the journey they encounter a problem and there is an issue and there is a tension and, and this problem needs to be overcome. This is like most movie lines, right? there. And then all of a sudden the, the hero comes in and, and saves the day. And in this moment it's God saying, I will go with you. There is the reassurance of the promise of the presence of God despite the unfaithfulness of the people, God being true to his covenant-keeping self, that he will be faithful even when we are faithless. And so we, there's this reassurance, there is this tension leading up, is God going to go or not? Is he going to wipe the people out deservedly or not? And in the end, God says, I will go with you. I'll go with you. It's this climax in, in the story. And, I, and we're going to get to that in, in a little bit. But I really want to focus on some of what's happening just before the climax in the response of the Lord. Because in week one of this series, we left off with God's in this place of deliberation. The people began to grieve. They, they took off their ornaments and in, in a place of repentance for their sin. And God was kind of in this place of deliberation saying, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with you. And it's in this place where things aren't very clear, where, where Moses isn't clear on what God's about to do and what's going to happen next. And uh, he's, the, this, these people and his leadership have kind of had this train wreck is where they're at. And, and he's wondering what to do. And that's where we pick up in Exodus 33 verse 12 is actually a picture for us of the tent of meeting. And, and I've never thought about it quite like this, but, but, but um, because the, the, the text doesn't say that Moses was in the tent when he's having this conversation, but it has just told us that when Moses uh, met with God and when God spoke to him, that's where he went. And so that's what's now happening, that, that Moses is, is speaking to the Lord. So I'm actually envisioning him going to the tent of meeting. And remember what we read about when Moses would go to the tent of meeting, everybody else would stand at the entrance of their own tent and kind of watch. But the reality is, uh, was for them, they had an invitation to meet with God, and they said, no, let Moses do it, we'll stay here. Certainly, the New Testament believer in in this day is, is invited and welcomed into the presence of God to know him and to walk with him. And I believe there's an invitation for us today to come into that space. And yet, there is a tendency that's reflected in Exodus 33 for us to kind of hang back. 
in, in the same way that the people were invited into it and said, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what that would be like. Um, that makes me a little nervous. What, what does that mean? Uh, maybe, you know, you've even experienced that a little bit this morning. If you're, if, you know, some expressive worship, there was uh, some, some moments where it's like, okay, what are we doing? I, you may not have noticed this. Probably not. Your eyes were probably closed because you're so holy. But I got on my knees to pray. That's not a normal thing. But I, but I got on my knees. But I, just, I just felt like I was supposed to get on my knees. Like, okay, this is all just a little strange. I think we'll let just kind of stick back a little bit. Right? There's things that can happen even in this context. I mean, sometimes these guys start worshiping the president. I get a little uncomfortable. You know, I'm like, okay, well, yes, Lord. You know, we're, or, we're, or, you know, or, you know whatever. Like, because they're, 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 and, and uh, I say that in some, somewhat in jest, but also, I mean, the, we have worshipers. Uh, that's one of the things I love about our worship team. These guys, just getting to walk through life with them, they are worshipers. They love to worship God. Um, but there, there's this invitation into the, into the throne room, uh, you know, kind of like the, the, the drawbridge being let down and, and us being welcomed into the throne room. And it's just this, this gateway into his presence as we, as we worship him. And, uh, and, and there can be a tendency to like, I'm, I'm unsure of that. And, and, and I know there's different flavors and different this and that, but we're, we can just kind of, if we can get through all that and just say and, and acknowledge, as we did last week, the reality is that God makes a way for his people to come into his presence. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. Some, sometimes it's unlike what we've experienced before, but what he wants to do is to make that home. To, to truly make that the place from which we operate. There, there's a passage of scripture in uh, Psalm 73. And I've been trying to do a little bit of this each week where we are looking at the experience of another biblical author that is describing their experience with the presence of God. And, and taking it from just a, a theological understanding of uh, the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere all the time, which we wholeheartedly agree with, and, and going beyond that and recognizing that there's also a biblical precedent for the manifest presence of God. Go, going beyond uh, just recognizing oh, that God is here because he's always here, but actually there's something almost tangible. Uh, there's something so clear about what God is doing in this moment in time and space uh, that we with our finite minds are able to kind of see, hear, knowing, and acknowledge. And, and in Psalm 73, the psalmist says, but as for me, the nearness of God is good for me. And, and I kind of like how he starts it there, just that it's kind of this ownership. Like, I don't know about you guys, but as for me and what I've experienced and how I've walked through life and how I know, come to know God, I, uh, the nearness of God is good for me. It's where I want to live. In fact, he said, I have made the Lord God my refuge. He, he is, the, he is my, my home. He is my refuge. He is the place I go. He is the place I live from. He is the, the strong tower of safety. That's who he is. And, and this is where I live so that I may tell of all your works. So I may tell of who he is and how he moves. So I might be on the inside. That I, I'm inside and he's my refuge and I, I get to know his heart. And so we, we have these different people throughout Scripture that describe this idea of the nearness of God, walking closely with Him, knowing Him. And, and that's my prayer for us. Even as we walk out of this place today, that there would be something that, that just that resonates in us saying, as for me, 
I want to walk closely with God. I've got to walk near to him. He's got to be my refuge. I don't want to choose any other way, any other path. And so I believe God's wanting to stir something up in us in that way. And actually, the thing that I felt God say, and if if I'm to be honest, it happened about 10 minutes before I walked into the first service. So it wasn't like all this, like, premeditated thing. But I was just, I was just praying before kind of coming in and just saying, okay, God, would you just, you know, have your way? Would you do what you need to do? Uh, Is there anything that you're, any other things you're wanting to do? And I felt like he said that this passage of scripture is is instructions on how to get into the tent of meeting. How how to get into the tent of meeting. That that place where we are sometimes where it's like, I want to go into the tent of meeting, I, I, I believe, okay, biblically, we, you know, we talked about it last week. Biblically, there, I, I know that it's available to me, but I don't actually know how to get there. Yeah, like, how do I enter into that place? And, and what, we, what, I, what I think that Exodus 33, 12 through 17 is, is a picture for us of Moses, the one that we were just told uh, in, in the previous um, passage, was one who met with God face to face as a man does with a friend, it's saying this is how he did that. This is one example of how he entered into the tent and, and, and got into, so to speak, the presence of God. How, how, did he, how did he move into that place? And so let's just learn a few things that would hopefully encourage us in, in our pursuit of his presence and being a people that operate from his presence. So, so first of all, we just see Moses saying to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. And I want us to enter into this emotionally where, where we feel the angst of Moses. Like I said, th- these people that he's been, he's told to lead, it, it's a train wreck, okay? Uh, there, there were s- several thousand that were just wiped out because of their gross rebellion against God. And, and he's supposed to be leading them. And now God said, I'm not even going with you but I'm going to send you here. And now he's just like, what is going on? I, I don't know what to do, God. It, it, everything that was so clear is now completely unclear. I, I don't know how to get from A to B. I don't know wh- what, what's going on. And so he's going to the presence of God. And he says, so you, you've got to feel it in that way. Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. But I don't know how. I, I don't know where to go from here. This is what you've been speaking, but so, so what we hear him entering into the presence of God with is a, a level of honesty and vulnerability. Where there's just honesty, like, God, I, here I am, and I, and I, I feel this way, and, and I'm, I'm confused about these things, but I'm coming to you. And, and, and what Moses does that's very important as he comes with honesty and vulnerability is he goes back to the things that God has spoken. God, you have been telling me to lead these people, but, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Okay, so he's going back, and he's going first to the, the thing that God called him to. You have called me to lead these people. Okay, God, this is what you've called me to, and I know that you've called me to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't feel like I know who you're, like, because remember, God's deliberating, am I, is, is he even going to go with them or not? He's like, I, who's going to go? How is this going to happen? What am I to do? But I know you've called me to it. And, and it's important for us to go back 
to the place of calling. What has God spoken that we know he's spoken about our calling, our direction, what we're to give our lives to? Secondly, he says this, you have said, so again, he goes, um, uh, he says it again, you have said, I know you by name and have found favor, and, and you have found favor with me. So now it's not just about calling, it's actually about who Moses is. It's about what God has said about who he is. God, you, you have said that you, that you know me by name. You know, we've talked, we're, we're friends. You, you wouldn't leave me alone, right, God? Because you've said you've known me by name. You, you have said that I have found favor with you. Now, favor is really just another way of talking about presence. Even when we see the, the favor of God or the hand of God being upon a people, it's, it's the reality of his presence and the acknowledgement of even the world around them that, that God is with you. There's something on you. There's favor. And so he said, you, you promised your favor would be upon me. You, you said you've known my name. It's going back to the things that God has said. And, and so, so we enter in to the presence of God just maybe in our uh, unclarity, maybe in a little bit of confusion. Here, even Moses, right, the great leader of God's people saying, I don't even know where to go next. But I want to come into this space with honesty, with vulnerability, and saying, God, this is who I believe that you are, the things that you've called me to, and the things that you've said. And, and you know what? We have an entire book filled with things that God has said are true of who you are. And often it's the very things that we struggle with in life that bring the confusion, bring the lack of clarity and the fog about who we are and what we're supposed to be about and are, 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 are we being fulfilled and what are the longings of our heart. All of those things that we so often struggle with are, are spoken to in this book. The, the, the very things that, that again, Moses' question, you got to hear a little bit the questioning. Like Mo Moses going in and saying, God, no, you've, you've called me, right? I heard you right, right, right? You called me to lead these people because I, it feels like I'm making a mess of it. It feels like they're not following me. And this is not the first time, God. So there's a little bit of a question mark on there. Even a little bit of a question mark on the, I, you, you said you know my name. You said that I found favor. I'm not feeling the favor, okay? That, that's what he's expressing. I'm not feeling favor, you said it, but I'm not feeling it. And so it's going back to this place of resting on the truth of God's word and letting that speak into your experience and not letting the things that you're experiencing speak to the fact that, okay, I guess I don't have God's favor. Okay, I guess he's not with me. Okay, I get, and, and so we've got, to, we, we've got to move into the presence of God in that place of wrestle. It's not moving into the presence of God so that, like in, in some kind of holy procession of like, you know, I'm bringing my, my holiness to you. And my, Moses is going here with honesty and vulnerability and equipped with the things that God has spoken. And saying, God, is it true? Is it true? And, and there, there's, a, there's a process there. Uh, there. And there's a safe space that we've got to learn to go to. Um, I was recalling... Uh, because I'm, I'm leaving for Indonesia tonight, actually, going to a wedding. It's a long, long ways to go to a wedding. But um, 
But that's where I'm going. I'm going to Indonesia to go to, to a wedding. And, um, and the, the, the guy that's getting married uh, has been with us for a very long time, actually, from, from pretty much uh, the first uh, month or two of this church. And, uh, well, actually, the first couple weeks. Uh, and, and he uh, is getting married. He's been overseas uh, uh, serving on the mission field with our church for the last uh, six-plus years. And, um, and I remember a time... At, at a world mandate probably eight or nine years ago where there was um, something that God spoke and God had already been speaking to him about uh, going to the nation of Indonesia and he had carried that in his heart, had been on some short-term trips and this one particular world mandate, there was just this really solidifying word that God spoke to him and confirmed. It was just a really powerful uh, weekend and, um, and it was about being a father to the children of Indonesia he's like, okay, well, I don't know exactly what to do with that or how to make that happen. And, um, and, and anyway, fast forward, he, he moves to Indonesia, and we have some things set up for him to live with a family in this city where he's going to be going through a training school, and he's going to end up being on this family's team. Well, because of other circumstances, this family had to move um, uh, like two weeks after he got there. And so he's in the school. Now they have to leave. Now he's living by himself and uh, in a city in which he knows no one. Uh, knows not the language, is not uh, familiar with the culture, and as you might imagine, that is incredibly difficult. And, uh, and so we, uh, me and Stephen, who was up here a couple of weeks ago, is now serving in Southeast Asia himself, but we went over to, to visit him and to encourage him, pray with him, and um, man, it was hard. We went to his uh, little basement apartment, and he was a typical single guy. There's like zero on the wall, maybe one poster in the whole apartment, and it was just like kind of dark and dreary. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is hard. Like, I can't imagine. I'm like feeling anxious and discouraged, uh, and I don't even, I'm leaving in a few days, you know, and... Um, <laughs> And so it was just hard, and so we're trying to surround him and kind of order some things to, to help him. We're, uh, we begin talking, praying regularly, and different things, and he makes it through that season. But there's other ups and downs, even with uh, COVID and isolation and getting stuck back here for a year when things were going on there. And, and yet through it all, God is moving, and, um, and we're just trusting and learning to make God central, in the hard and in the lonely, and, and actually that was one encouragement I had for him, especially in those early days, is I believe that there is a way that God is calling you to in the difficulty of this situation that matches the level of the kind of call that you've received to be a father to the nation of Indonesia, that there's a, there's a, there's a dependence upon Jesus that you're learning, that, that most of us in this room have never had to learn in that way. And that kind of isolation and, and difficulty. And, uh, and so something beautiful came out of that season. And now he's getting married this Friday. Uh, and we're celebrating with him. Uh, and he's marrying this wonderful, godly Indonesian woman. And one of the things that, that, that has just a lot of favor on her life in that nation. And one of the things that she's done is begun these, these schools with, with Jesus at the center. And she got a vision of seeing more of them spread throughout the nation. And all of a sudden, as he's kind of getting in there and getting to know her, and they're getting engaged, and he's interacting with some of these kids, this word comes back from eight or nine years ago. Oh, God, you are making a way for me to be a, a father to these, the, the children of Indonesia. And, and, and it was, but it was eight or nine years in the making. 
right? And, and the learning to make God central and to trust him and to come back to him time and time again when there was opportunities to, to check out or give out or whatever, whatever else. And uh, it's just this going back to the promises of God, going back to the, to the, to the word of God. You know, and there, there's so much, it's so much opportunity for us to, to, to do that. And, um, and that's the way that God invites us into his presence uh, is just to rely upon who he is and who he has said that we are. In a place of honesty and vulnerability. He does that and in verse 13 he goes on and he says, he, he, he adds a little to it. He says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may continue to find favor with you. And so he's again just saying, God, okay, if you're pleased, do you, get, do you hear the questioning? And, that, and the reason the questioning or the doubt is that sometimes we look at people like Moses and it's like, well, that's Moses, you know, that's not me. But there's a, there's a human reality that we all face where it's like, God, if you're pleased with me, right? Like, God, if, if you are pleased with me, this is Moses, Right? Like, surely he knows. I mean, the, sea, the Red Sea was parted, burning bushes. You know, he was the king saved from the basket you know, of Egypt, all that kind of stuff. Like, surely he, right? But no, he's like, God, if you're pleased with me. Where still those question marks can rise up in the human soul, no matter how much we've seen God move, no matter what we know, there's still a place where we've got to learn to get into the presence of God so that everything we know can translate into our spirit, and into the, the, the everyday life that we live. And so it's coming in, God, God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. Here we see something in the presence of God that there is a um, commitment to obedience. Not, not just like make me feel better, but God, I want to I walk in your ways. And, and literally translated, it's just your path, your, your road. And so I think ways is a good way to translate it because it makes sense to like in, in the way that you walk. But, but literally it's like just show me where to step. Galatians 5 talks about staying in step with the Spirit. Like I just want to walk where the Spirit is walking. And if there's a footprint, I want to step in that footprint. That's where I want to go. And, and so this is, this is his prayer. I think it's really cool. A, a verse we talked about last week, Psalm 103.7. says, the people, the people of Israel knew the deeds of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. Here you have somebody later, later looking back at the life of Moses and saying, wow, he, this prayer was answered. This prayer of Moses was answered, show me your ways. And people acknowledge that he knew the ways of God because he entered into God as a refuge in that tent of meeting into his presence. He was able to know the ways of God. So he committed himself um, to obedience. He, there was a profession to desire to, to know him. I want to know you and want to walk, find favor, walk in your presence. And then he gives one more, remember. Remember that this nation is your people. So kind of another one of the, you said. <laughs> remember, you said. Remember that this nation is your people. So he's taken kind of personal calling. He's taken like personal um, words that God has spoken just over who he is. And now he's also standing on the, the truth of what God's spoken over them as a people, over, over uh, us as, as the church. What are the things that God has said about the church? And we step into that reality and that truth. And, and we, we read back, if we can, just real quick in Exodus 3, 
we, we have the, the opportunity, and this is where it's a great, uh, and I know some of you that, that journal or go back to some of those things, and it's so sweet to see like the way God answered prayer that you forgot you even prayed that, and then you get to see how God answered it. Well, that's kind of what we do here at Exodus 33. Back to verse 3 is the burning, uh, chapter 3 is the burning bush. It's where God first called Moses, and, and it says this in verses 10 through 12. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, so even right there, you have a couple of these things that, that, are, that Moses is recalling. God, you sent me to lead these people, all right? So that's what he's done. And, and now he's saying, these are, remember that these, this nation is your people. And he says it right there, I'm sending you to bring my people. And he, he, um, he expands upon that in Exodus 3, like, I am the God of their, their, their forefathers and these, these different things. But, but we see this calling of God that, that, uh, that he carries. And this is also interesting, and I think this is good for us. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Again, a very normative question for any one of us. Right? Any one of us could ask that same kind of question. What, who am I that you would call me to this? Who am I that I would walk out this path? And the answer is incredible. Because it's really no answer to the question at all. God simply says, I will be with you. Who am I, God? Well, you're nobody in, in the most loving sense, Right? You're, you're nobody. I could have used anybody. I mean, I love your heart. I love it. And there's some things I've done in your life and you are valuable and all those kind of things. But, but really, who am I that I, you know, especially in light of like, how am I going to accomplish this? Or what is this, this thing that I can't come? Like, well, you can't. And, and, and you, you really, you're, who am I? That's, that's not a good question. <laughs> it, it's, it's just not. Like, because the answer is, I'm with you. I'm good enough. I am able. I am capable. Like, it, that, it's the wrong question. And we start to ask the right question and get in the right space in his presence. Where, where we just realize that, okay, he is with us. Doesn't matter the task. Doesn't matter the, the problem, the circumstance, the experience. He is with us. And so God said, I'll be with you. And in fact, this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. That's where, he's, that's where he's back at, the same mountain where the burning bush was. He's now back there as the people worshiping God and, and seeking his face and the fire coming down, all those things. And so God is faithful. God is able. He, he's re rem reminding us and wants to remind us uh, that his presence is enough. He's wanting to, to help us learn how to walk through life from his presence recognizing that it is the truth that we, we come to know in his presence, that is uh, reaffirmed in his presence, that allows us uh, to, to operate. Be because here's what happens, and is that the Lord replies, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with you. The, cl the climax, really, the, the climax. But Moses is so worked up, and we can be the same way where we're asking for something from somebody like, no, you've got to go with me. Like, I don't want to go by myself. Okay, fine, I'll go with you. Okay, good, because you've got to go with me. Right, because I will not go by myself. I'm not going to go by myself to this get-together. Like, you've got to go. I, yeah, I said, I'll go with you. Um, and so he's kind of worked up a little bit in that way. God says, yeah, I'm going to go with you. And then Moses says, because if your presence doesn't go with us, 
then we, then do not send us from here. We're not going from here. I love the resoluteness of Moses in that moment. It, it is a resoluteness that has really stood out to us, something that we as a church have latched onto, certainly we as a staff over the years have latched onto, and, and probably more so than ever before in these days when there's so many voices and opinions and ideas about how to do or where to go and the way the culture is wanting to do this or wanting to do that. It's just, God, we don't want, we will not be moved by culture, by popular opinion, by this voice or that voice, we, will, we only want to be a people that are moved by you. And if your presence moves, then we'll move. Because that's our refuge. That's the place that we dwell. That's the place that we live. God, teach us to make central your presence in our lives and in this church. And let there be a resolution in us to live no other way. Because this is the revelation that Moses had that I want us to capture. In verse 16, he asked it in a rhetorical way, but how, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? He realized this is the thing that is to distinguish the people of God. It's his presence. No other thing God has always wanted his people to be distinguished and set apart by the fact that he is among them. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, it was the fact that there was no other God claiming to be among his people. No, the, 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 the gods that were worshipped were, were, were deities that were far off. And God is a God who has always established the reality that I am a God who longs to be among you. Even now, he's just wanting to move. He, he's wanting in, in your own life, saying, let me in. This is who I am. I am a God who is with you, among you, in your midst. You don't have to walk alone. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to have the question mark of, who am I that I should X, Y, or Z? It no longer becomes a question because you're walking in the reality of his presence. And so he's inviting us to this place. And what he does in that tent of meeting, when you come in with a little bit of those question marks saying, God, you've said this, you've said you're pleased with me. Even if it's the truth, sometimes it's like it's written there, but I don't feel it. And so we were questioning it. And, and, and what does God do at the end? The Lord said to Moses, hey, I told you, I'm going to do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. He reiterates the, the two things that Moses said about himself. God, God, you, you said that you know my name. And God, you said that, that I found favor with you, that, that you're pleased with me. That's what you said, right? Isn't that true? And God loves to reestablish truth when we're kind of feeling weak in it, when we're, when we're letting question marks bring doubt into it. We just come to him in honesty and vulnerability and say, God, you said this, right? This is who you are. This is who you said I am, right? This is what you've called me to, right, God? And I, I need you to speak it again. And what he loves to do is to reaffirm it. Is to reaffirm it. And so we come to him and we allow the truth of what he's spoken be that which dictates the experiences that we, that we walk through in life. 
And it begins to shape them, actually. The confidence that we have in his presence, the fact that he is with us, allows those experiences of darkness become light. Allow experiences of hopelessness to, to garner hope and, and feel like we can see that when we're confused, there's clarity. As we go back and we just remember the things, I wrote a few down. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. I am loved. I am loved by God. You know, there's the, the whole name it and claim it theology, which has been debunked. We don't just name and claim whatever you want, but sometimes I think at, we're scared to like be the, the name it and claim it where we've actually missed the fact that actually you, when it comes to the truth of God's word, that is something you are to name and you are to claim. I am loved by God, right? Like no matter how I feel, no matter what somebody else has made me feel like, I am loved by God. I am loved by him. That's something I can name, I can declare, and I can, I can live in. And so I am loved. I am forgiven. I am significant. I have the mind of Christ. I do not live under condemnation. I am not dead to sin. I am alive in God. I am called by God according to his purposes. I am created for good works. I don't have a spirit of timidity. I have a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And we go to God in those things like, God, this is who I am. This is who you are. That is one who has welcomed me into his presence. And those things begin to shape our experience. Not our experience begin to shape our, our identity or how we think about ourselves. And so, God, we just invite you. Come and have your way. And, and, and even more so, God, right now we just want to take you up on it. God, you're here. You're here uh, available to us. And so the invitation, as much as it was last week, like, come, the tent of meeting, the, the door is open wide, the invitation has been extended, the way has been made, come with honesty, come with vulnerability, come with just saying, God, this is who I am, right? This is what you've spoken, right? And allow him to just affirm you, allow him to just speak life into you. Many years ago, I was at this men's retreat. This guy was speaking about God, and it was, it was powerful, and just like all the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. And I started having this thought in my mind of like, oh, that's so amazing. Oh, the ways that the Spirit of God moves and uses people. I'm actually really encouraged. And then very subtly, I also began to think about how that's for other people like those great exploits in God. Miracles or signs and wonders or revival, like that's, that's, for, that's for other people. I, I, and and I, it was almost like I was picturing a ceiling. Like I've got this ceiling in God. Other people probably have a much higher ceiling, but this is, this is my ceiling. And almost becoming content with that. Like that's okay, God. Like I, I'm still excited about all that you're gonna be doing. I just know that my ceiling is much lower did God begin to deal with that? Like, wait, what? Where is, where is that coming from? What experiences have you had that you thought were gonna go one way or you thought you would be fruitful or you thought that something would happen and didn't happen and all of a sudden you allowed something to enter in to, to, and you allowed your experience to tell you who you are and what you're capable of 
and what God's calling on you is or is not, or how fruitful it will or will not be in, in your life. And God's just saying, hey, there's, there's some ceilings that you've put on yourselves in this room that, are, that God has not put on you. There's times where you've come to God and say, who am I that I should go? And you're like, and, and the, but you've stayed there. We don't see Moses asking that anymore. He's like, oh, yes, it's you, God. <laughs> it's not me. And that's why he's been able to go back and say, you've said. And so today, God's wanting to remove some of these ceilings. Some of these places where we've gotten stuck by saying, who am I that, that I could do anything or that I could be fruitful or that God could use me or uh, that I would ever be free of anxiety or that I would ever uh, be, be, be free from um, the, the, this, this worry or this addiction or that, that I have. God answers that question today. I am with you. I am present. And so as you stand right now with me, I just want to invite you to begin coming forward. Again, much like last week, it's like God's just throwing open the, the tent curtain wide. And there's nothing special about the front of the room, but we always love opening up the front of the room because sometimes there's something powerful about moving from the doorway of your own tent and saying, I'm moving forward into the tent of God. I think some of you need to do that where you've, you've resonated with, I've kind of stayed back and I feel uncomfortable. Today, you need to get uncomfortable and move out of your seat and just come and, and sit. Say, God, here I am and I'm bringing to you all my question marks. I'm bringing to you in my, in, with honesty my vulnerability and I'm relying on your promises. And I believe that there's others in this room who don't know God, but there's something that's been said today or there's something in the worship or that's causing you to want to know him, to know more about who he is. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that today. We're going to have some of our ministry team members over on the, on the sides of the room. And if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. We believe that God answers prayer. But let's not leave this place without responding to God in whatever way he's leading us to do so.